We're, we're continuing in a series called The God I Never Knew, and uh, we're talking about, about the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I kind of robbed this, this, this title because I was like, I, growing up, I never knew what to do with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I knew about the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, um, I understood and could grasp God the Father, like he was like God, God, you know, the one that I'd be like, okay, you're, you're, you're the big God. So I, I pray to God the Father. And then I could understand Jesus because he was God's son and he made the way where there seems to be no way, right? He was the way maker. So I could understand that. And then there was like this Holy Spirit that I just never knew who or what he was or what, what to necessarily to do with him. And it didn't help that the church that I grew up with called him the Holy Ghost. Um, I grew up in the 80s watching probably way too much Scooby-Doo. And um, so I had a healthy fear of ghosts. And so I was like, is this Jesus' ghost? Like, is this a good haunting? Like, we want this. But I, I just, I, I never quite understood exactly what this was supposed to look like. And then I would look at churches. And maybe you came from a church background that never really talked about the Holy Spirit unless it was like reading it out of the Bible, and you were warned, like, don't really hang out with people that talk about the Holy Spirit too much because they're probably a cult, right? You, so you just just kind of like stay away from, from that. And then, then I'd see other people in other churches that would talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, and they kind of intimidated me a lot and uh, kind of would, in many ways, feel like, you know, I guess they have the corner market on this Holy Spirit, and um, I don't know how to access that, and they've, they've got something that I don't have, but I don't know how to get it. And so, historically, the, there's been a whole lot of confusion around the, the Holy Spirit. And we even find this, it's funny, in, in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. Now, these people were believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus' teaching, believed that he was the Son of God. And they asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, well, uh, no, I don't. Uh, we've not heard that there, that there is a Holy Spirit. Like, I don't, well, what are you talking about, right? And I, and I feel like that seems to be where many people are today, even in our current culture. Like, Maybe you can relate with me that you were never really told who or what the Holy Spirit is. So you're kind of like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really get into that, that, whole, that whole side of this whole Christian walk thing. Or for maybe some of you, you have been presented with the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it was in poor packaging. You ever been there where like somebody gives you a, a gift and it's like wrapped up in newspaper and you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to get into this. Like, and, and so maybe someone has presented um, the Holy Spirit to you, but it, it caused offense or it was kind of scared you or it caused you to reject the gift because of the poor packaging that it was in. You know, you're kind of like, I, I don't know if I want what you're offering. Like, you scare me or intimidate me and I don't necessarily know if I want that. That's kind of uh, what I, where I look at even the church, the American church today. And I want to read this in Acts chapter 2. This is um, kind of the quintessential Pentecost Holy Spirit, fallen down um, verse that, that, that so many of us read. And it's Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind 
came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, today I, I've titled the sermon Pentecostal. <laughs> the awkward fidgeting right now. Um, I love this because, because depending on your past experience with that word, uh, I'd, some of you are like, yeah, finally, right? You're looking for a hanky to wave. Like, like somebody get me a hanky because I'm, I'm ready. Thank you. I see that hanky, sir. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we're looking, we're looking for, for, for that and we're excited about that. And for some of us that maybe grew up and have a little bit of a fear associated with that word, we're kind of like, for real? Like, I brought a friend this week. I have been talking to my neighbor, this coworker that's sitting next to me for like three months about Jesus. And I, she finally is like, okay, I'll come to church with you. And this, this is what we're talking about. Is it going to get weird? Is it going to get weird today? Like, are, they, are we bringing out snakes? What, what is going to happen today? Like, I, I did not realize. I wish I had a heads up. I would have brought them, I don't know, never, right? So, like, but there's this reality that, like, okay, depending on our, our context with this term Pentecostal, we have very different ideas of what it holds. And so, you'll see, this is a very different message, probably a very different Pentecost message that you've heard before, um, and you'll, if you look in your notes, it is like a ton of notes, which I don't normally give you. But we had to like crunch it down and put it on microfiche. So if you have a, ma a magnifying glass, it may come in handy for you. Um, so it's, this is a little bit different than, than um, most of the sermons that, that I would preach. And I put all the notes in there very purposeful because I really feel like um, I want us to get the context of Pentecost. Now, I say context, and, and I hope you understand that. Like, and when you understand not just what the words say on the page, but you understand the, the, the meaning around and how it was understood by the people that it was happening to, that if you understand the context of, of, of when and how and the specific day that Pentecost happened here in Acts chapter 2, it will give us a greater understanding and a greater revelation of that which God intended for the Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's my aim today. I hope I don't screw it up. Um, and this is what I, I really want us to understand is this. Pentecost is not simply a, a day in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit fell on the early church. Pentecost is not simply a day where tongue-talking charismatics filled the earth. I want you to understand that, okay? Pentecost was a Jewish feast day. It was a holiday, much like holidays that we celebrate today. So we've got like, you know, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Fourth uh, of July. Each one of our holidays celebrate, memorialize something. Like there's a reason why you don't have school. There's a reason why you might get off of work. Why? Because we're celebrating or memorializing something that we're, um, that we're remembering. And so I mean to tell you this morning this, that the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the Jewish feast day of Pentecost. You're like, okay. So bear with me here. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background. This is where, if you're going to take notes, write very, very small on your little piece of paper. Okay, let me run through this. In the Jewish calendar, 
there were seven holidays, but there were three major ones. When I say major, these were three holidays that you were supposed to make a pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem, and everybody was supposed to celebrate them together, and everyone was one big family, and we all do this thing together. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus lived on this earth, when he walked on this earth with us, he, he, he literally used these holidays to, to give the Jewish people a picture of why he came and what he came to fulfill. And I think sometimes we lose that in our kind of American, non-Jewish context of just reading the Bible. We're like, okay, yeah, when, when Pentecost had fully come, then this is when the Holy Spirit came. And we don't really understand the context of what it means. And this is what I want to talk about today. Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is, is literally telling us, like, my plan for your life, my plan for all of humanity shows up in these three major Jewish holidays. So the first one is this. The first major Jewish holiday is Passover. As you go throughout the calendar, it's Passover. Passover is all about celebrating the story of how God delivered the Israelites from 400 years in slavery in Egypt. That's the whole thing. That's why Passover is a big deal. That's why they celebrate Passover. That's why we, we celebrate with our Passover Seder. God, if you know the story and you watch the movie Ten Commandments, God takes Moses and he sends him to Pharaoh to say, let my people go, right? And, and Pharaoh's like, no, uh -uh, you're too valued to me as slaves. No, I, I'm not going to let you go. And so there's this series of ten plagues that God sends upon the Egyptians to finally cause Pharaoh to relent and say, okay, fine, get out of here. I don't want you around anymore. We can't handle this. Now the tenth plague, the last plague, is the killing of the firstborn sons. Seems pretty significant. It's a big plague, right? Now, God didn't want the Israelite sons to, to, to die in this plague. And so he gave instructions to the Israelites. He said this, okay, I want you to sacrifice a lamb, an innocent lamb. Okay, this is in our context a little strange, right? Okay, so you sacrifice a lamb. The blood of the lamb, I want you to put the blood on the doorpost, the outside of your door and your home, and when the angel of death passes by, when it sees the blood of the lamb applied to your house, it will pass over you. That's why we call it Passover, because it passed over the homes of the Israelites and spared their families because of the blood that was applied to the doorway. So this is significant because Jesus comes to fulfill the Passover he, he comes to fulfill it. So let me show you something cool. History tells us that the Passover lamb would have been sacrificed at 9 a.m. This is an interesting little detail in Mark chapter 15, verse 25. It says, it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. Nine in the morning when they crucified him. So Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. At 3 p.m., the Passover lamb would have been put into the oven. Mark chapter 15, verse 34 says this. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, leme sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. So Jesus dies at 3 p.m. The third thing is this. The Passover lamb was meant to, to cover their sins. 
right? You apply the blood, and as the angel passed over, it would pass over and cover and protect that family. But Jesus came to fulfill the Passover. In John chapter 1, verse 29, and Jesus is coming on the scene, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and these were the words that he used to tell all the people, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus doesn't just come to, to cover our sins. Jesus comes to remove our sins. He's the, the greatest fulfillment of Passover. And he was using the, the holiday of Passover to communicate that he was the fulfillment, that he was, just like John said, the Passover Lamb of God shed for your sins. Not just to cover them temporarily, but to, but to remove them. He was just like that innocent lamb that was slain and applied. He was the innocent victim that died and was slain for, to free you and to save you. So Passover is, is the fulfillment, and, and, it, and it was fulfilled in the cross when Jesus died. That, that salvation comes when we choose to apply the sacrifice of Jesus over our lives. I want you to catch this. It's very, very, very important to us that we are saved when we, not because we're good enough, not because you've helped enough old ladies cross the street, not because you've made up for all the bad stuff that you've done in your life. It's not because you're good enough, because you're not. It is because you've simply applied the sacrifice of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection over your life. It's really not anything that you've tried to do. It's something that you've just decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender my life to Christ. I'll be hidden in him. As he not only covers, but removes our sin. So that's Passover, and it was fulfilled in the cross. The second major holiday is Pentecost. And, and here's the word. This is what Pentecost means. You know, we hear it like Pentecostal, and it's like, oh gosh, okay. It seems a little scary. Um, so there's, it's made up of two words, pente and cost. Pente means five, and cost means times ten. So the word means 50. Pretty easy, pretty simple, not that big of a deal. Doesn't, not, not really that spooky. Um, it just means 50. Why? Because it was meant to be celebrated 50 days after Passover. So 50 days, once Passover happens, 50 days later, that's Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is, is obviously a different holiday. Let me explain to you what Pentecost is celebrating. Pentecost is celebrating that God gave the law to Moses up on Mount Sinai 50 days after they were freed from slavery. That's what Pentecost really is surrounding. Like it's, that, it's that celebration, not only that they were freed from slavery, but that 50 days after that, Moses goes up on the mountain and is given the law and brings it down to the people. Now watch this. Exodus chapter 19. I want you to just find some correlations here. Exodus chapter 19, it says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. So in Pentecost, we see what? We see a cloud descend. We see, we hear a loud sound and fire. Let me read for you again, Acts chapter 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of Pentecost, the wind of God that we talked about just two weeks ago, descended. There was a loud sound and fire. These, these correlations between what they celebrate in Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Pentecost. The second one is this. In Pentecost, God wrote his law on tablets of stone. Right? If, you've, if you watch the movie, you know, Moses goes up and he, and he, and he gets the tablets from God and, you know, he smashes them on the ground because they're all screwed up and everything, right? Because the Israelites are all screwing up. We, we see this, that he writes the tablets on stone but when the Holy Spirit comes, he writes his law on our hearts. And we find this in a few places throughout Scripture. In Jer Jeremiah chapter 31 is a prophecy about the fulfillment of Pentecost. And it says this, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me. Catch this, from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So in the fulfillment of Pentecost, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't write the law on, on tablets of stone. He writes the law on our hearts. And, and if you understand, if you've, if, if, if you've understand the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life, you realize that God starts to write his law on your hearts. And it's not this list of like, well, don't do this and don't do this and do this and don't do this. Don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls who do. He's like, no, he starts to write those things on our heart. And he doesn't just write them so that we can obey them. He writes them and he changes our desires. Like if you've ever been there where you're like, I just don't, like, the sins that I used to save up for, plan for, and get excited about doing, I just don't want to do anymore. Like God changes our desires and not just changes our desires as he writes his law in our heart, he enables us to do them as well. It's, it's a shift and a change that happens in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you also remember that when, when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, you know, he's lugging these, these, these huge stones that are, you know, God actually inscribed himself. The Israelites were like, where's, where's Moses? We're getting worried. He's not coming down soon enough. And so they decided, well, let's just make a God. So they take all their jewelry and earrings and they melt them all down and they make a golden calf and they start worshiping it. And Moses comes down and he's like, what are you doing? And he throws them down and they shatter and all this kind of stuff. You guys remember this? Well, that day, the Bible says in Exodus 32 that 3,000 people died. It was not a good day for the Israelites. Let's just say that. You can read it for yourself. It's like, whoa, right? Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of Pentecost, the fulfillment of, of, of the Holy Spirit. It says that the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, that 3,000 people got saved that day. Isn't it interesting that, that God can take this, this curse that, 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 that 3,000 people died and replace it in the fulfillment with adding 3,000 people to be saved? as he brings the fulfillment of Pentecost through the gift of the Holy Spirit, he takes what once was bad and he makes it 
good adds 3,000 people to the church that day. So the point is this. The Holy Spirit is the direct fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. And we're not simply given this list of do's and don'ts. We're given the very wind of God, we talked about a couple weeks ago, to lead us, to guide us, and to teach us, and to enable us to do it. Amen? Now, remember, there's the third feast. Let me just hit on this one real quick. The third one is called the Feast of Tabernacles. Maybe you heard of it, maybe you haven't, but here's the, here's the reality. Tabernacles is all about celebrating. The, the, 40, the 40 years of, of God's miraculous provision as the Israelites were wandering in the desert, how God just provided all of their needs. And, uh, and, they, and they go back and reminisce and celebrate and memorialize how they were all kind of during that time living in temporary houses, living in temporary huts. Is it good? Okay. Living in temporary huts. Now, what we find in Christ is that we're reminded that we are sojourners on this temporary earth. We're reminded time and time again that this earth is not our home. And if, if you've come to, to know Jesus, that you realize that, that this is not our final destination. Like the role, uh, the, the will of God in your life is not to get born, get a good job, make a lot of money so you can, you can retire at 55 and then move to Boca Raton. You're like, it's not in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. <laughs> Boca Raton is not your final destination. As much as, you, you get that, right? Okay, cool. Um, all, what? Most of the snowbirds have already gone. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. That is not our final. We, we know that in Christ, our final destination is heaven. Our fi- that, this, that this place, we're, we're, we're passing through, but our final destination is heaven. In tabernacles, we find that the Jews are, are, are celebrating how they were finally brought to the promised land, right? But in Philippians 3.20, this is what it says. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Christ, we're continually keeping our eyes looking. Why? Because we're waiting for the second coming of Christ when the trumpet sounds and he comes for his church and takes us with him to heaven. That, that is our final destination. And that's what this feast day is all essentially looking for. Now, here's, here's the cool thing. The first two, Passover and, and uh, Pentecost, have both been fulfilled in, in Christ. The third one, Tabernacles, has yet to be fulfilled. Why? It will be fulfilled when Christ comes again. As we look at these three major holidays of the Jewish calendar, two of them have been fulfilled. The third one is what we look for. And here's the cool thing. I just realized this today. I didn't even realize this. Feast of Tabernacles starts today at sundown. I literally just found this out this morning. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's crazy weird. Um, so get ready, right? <laughs> Shut the doors, you know, like, here's the, but like, here's this reality, like, how amazing is that? And why do I give you guys like this, like, why are you talking about these three feast days? This is weird, Pastor Justin. Like, here's my point, is that in these feast days, God is wanting to tell us his story and how it fits into our story. Here's the point. We all start out at Passover, we all start out at the cross. Now, 
it may be offensive to you and you may be like, well, aren't there other ways to God? I'm just telling you, there is a way. You know, people get like, wow, do you, isn't that kind of exclusive? Uh, maybe, but here's the good news. There's a way. How's your way been working, right? Like it's just, oh, I've been trying really hard and trying to white knuckle my way through this. The reality is, okay, well, we can be offended by it or we can just take the reality of like, God made a way where there was no way. He made a way through Jesus. So we all start out at the cross. We all start out at Passover. And it's through Christ's sacrifice that, that we find grace that we don't deserve, forgiveness that we didn't earn, and mercy in our life. And you didn't do anything for it. Like, you weren't good enough to deserve it. Literally, it's as simple as Passover. It's like, okay, this innocent victim, Christ, was, was crucified, died, and was buried. And the only thing, the only responsibility that we have is to apply Christ's sacrifice to our life. To choose to say, okay, fine. I've been trying to do this thing on my own, and I can't do it. I'm doing a really piss poor job of it. So how about what you have done? How about I apply that to my life? And if you have not applied Christ's sacrifice over your own life, then that is the first thing you need to do. We all start out at Passover. And here in a few minutes as we close, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to say, you know what, if you've never come to, you know, applying the sacrifice of Christ over your life, then I don't want you to leave this place without that opportunity to be able to do that. Now, so you've got Passover, and then we got Pentecost. Once you're saved, God has an assignment for you. Did you know that? God didn't just kind of send his one and only son to die on a cross so that you could be, you know, so that you could be saved and one day through the skin of your teeth make it to heaven. God actually has placed a purpose and a calling that he foreordained you in creation. I want you to understand this. God didn't like make you and create you and then think, what am I going to do with this one? <laughs> Did I... <laughs> I should have I come up with something before I created it, but now I'm just kind of, I don't know, we'll wing it. We'll wing it, right? He didn't save you and then think like, I hope, I mean, I got stuff for like pastors and missionaries, but this one, uh, just don't screw it up too bad. You know what I mean? Like, you ever feel like that? You're like, God's just kind of like looking at me thinking, if you could just not screw it up for everybody else, that'd be a great deal, Right? I want you to understand this. In creation, in salvation, God has a calling. He has a purpose over your life. He didn't make a mistake. You're not an afterthought. He's not thinking, of, gosh, I, now that I created you, I, I mean, I guess we're just pumping out babies, you know, so I guess we've got to figure out what to do with all these people. He has put a purpose on you and a gifting over your life, not just so that you can one day, oh gosh, we can one day tabernacle with God and make it too. He's given us the power of Pentecost for today. For today, not just for the sweet by and by that we might one day, all glory, fly away and meet Jesus in the clouds. He gave us the power of Pentecost to, to, for today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, these are Jesus' words, so I want you to see this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your hometown, in Judea and Samaria, into the ends of the earth. I want you to make no mistake. He wants you to have power. He wants you to have power. 
And most of, the, most of us may understand Passover and we understand the cross and, okay, I'm saved and I'm, I'm not going to go to hell anymore. And we understand, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles that like one day in the sweet by and by, I'm going to maybe by the skin of my teeth make it into heaven if I don't screw it up too bad. But we, we, what about the middle one? What about Pentecost? What about Pentecost? What is it about this power that Jesus died and said, this is so stinking significant in your life. Don't miss it. You need this. Don't miss it. What is that all about? Like that, that's, that's the God I never knew. Like that is the, what is this Holy Spirit power empower us to do? Three things. The first one is this, to live righteously. Like don't, don't forget what the Feast of Pentecost is celebrating. He celebrates the giving of the law. Pentecost was, was celebrating the law that was written on tablets of stone. That's what Pentecost was, you know, the whole feast is about. But, but in the fulfillment of it, in the Holy Spirit, he starts to write the law on our hearts so that, so that God's will isn't something that we just have to obey but it's something that we are becoming. It's a very different thing, and it is the fulfillment of the law that we couldn't actually, look, many of, it, we, many of us, if we look at the Ten Commandments, we can't even, we've already broken most of those, right? Like, I can't even do those most days. He's like, here's the thing. I'm not just giving you the list of do's and don'ts. I'm writing on your heart so that your desires become my desires, and I'm enabling you to live the life and the calling that you've been called to and freed for. This is the power of Pentecost. This is the power of Pentecost. So that when you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, you don't just have to do the will of God. You want Jesus to be happy, so just going to just got to do this and stop doing that. Like, he gives us the want to, that we want to do the will of God. And he enables us to do it as our desires change. And I would say this to you, that if, if, if your desires haven't changed, like you've come, you're a Christian, and you're struggling for, to just obey God, like, I, I don't know, I'm doing it, but I don't, I, every day is a struggle, I really don't want to obey God, then I just want to encourage you to ask him for the power of Pentecost. This power that Jesus describes, the power that he died to give us. Because you can't walk righteously without the power of the Spirit. You can't. And, and so stop trying to obey the Word, or the, stop trying to obey the Spirit in the power of our own flesh. You, you can't obey God without the power of the Holy Spirit. The second point is this. Not only that we live righteously, but that we live supernaturally. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus is telling his followers and reminding us, hey guys, just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that miracles, healing, signs, and wonders are leaving with me. He's like, greater things you'll do under the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if I read this correctly, Jesus ups the ante. He's like, you're, you're not, you, you think the things that I've been doing are cool? You know, healing the blind guy and spitting and doing this. And, and, and you think that's cool? like even greater things you're going to be able to do through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
And if we just look at these disciples, like look at the before and after photos. Before they were this, this Acts chapter 2 experience, they were fearful, they were timid, they were kind of hiding out. I mean, Peter wouldn't even admit that he knew Jesus when a little slave girl was like, hey, you were with Jesus. He's like, I don't know him. He's scared of a little girl. Like, would not preach. Acts chapter 2 happens, and there's a significant shift where they are bold and confident. They preach publicly. When they're... When they're um, when they're told, uh, you know, we're going to beat you or we're going to imprison you if you keep talking about Jesus, they're like, sorry, I can't stop. Like, so do what you need to do. You need to be, okay, fine. You're going to imprison me? Fine, that's fine. But I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus. And we look throughout the, the, the New Testament, like they, they healed the sick, performed signs and wonders and miracles, followed them. I mean, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians, he says this in, in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, my message and my preaching, he's like, I'm not really that great of a speaker. Can relate with him. He says, my, my message and my preaching are not with wise and persuasive words. Like, I'm not a great orator, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? Verse 5. So that you might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So that you can rest, not just on, well, I'm, I'm good enough, smart enough, and I got this thing figured out. But that we would rest on God's power. And I want you to understand, church, that this same power is available to us today. There's, there's power. There is power to, to, there's power to change your marriage. There is power, I believe, even right now, to free you from the addiction that you're suffering in right now. There is power to change your family. There, there is power to, to heal your body. And when we start relying on God's power rather than our own, that's when God can start moving. When we, when we start relying, not so much on like, well, I'm really trying really hard and I've done enough good things and I'm going to church and I'm trying to be good and all of those things, and we stop relying on, on our own power, we start relying on God's power, that's when he starts moving in the miraculous. And we just get to stand back and say like, I don't even know how this is happening. But God is moving on my behalf. Amen? Third point is this. We've been empowered to live on mission. To live on mission. Acts... Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Catch this. You're my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let me remind you, God always gives us an assignment that is too big for us. That is for someone in here today. I want you to understand this. If you feel like the assignment that, that has been given to you is something that you can accomplish in your own strength with the money that you've been saving, with the gifts and talents that you've been cultivating, I want you to understand it's way too small. God's assignment is always too big for us. Always too big for us. Why? Because he wants to continually be reminding us, stop relying on your own human wisdom, stop relying on your own, you know, pedigree, and your, own, uh, your own education, your own mind. Like, I want you to start relying on the Spirit's power. God's assignment is always too big for us. And that's why he says, you need power to pull it off. And whether we like it or not, that power is the power of Pentecost. 
There's no denying as we look at this. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. He says, you're going to receive power. Why? So that you can become my witnesses. So that, you can be, so that you can live life on mission. In other words, I got stuff for you to do. I didn't just save you and free you so that you can maybe one day go to heaven. I actually have, have, have a mission for you to accomplish. I'm wanting you to affect your family, the children that I've placed in your life. I'm wanting you to affect your workplace, your town, southern Maine, and to the utter, uttermost. I want you to receive power so that you can become my witnesses in your home and beyond. And Jesus is telling us, and he's reminding us, that Pentecost is about receiving what you have to have. It's not like, oh, well, you know, if you kind of want this extra add-on Holy Spirit thing, I don't know, give it a whirl, right? He's like, "You you have to have this in order to fulfill the call of God on your life. If not, you're going to try to do it your entire life on your own with a whole list of do's and don'ts, and it will be a facade that you'll get burned out in. And you've been there, or you know people. He says, I want you to rely on me. Like, what if the gift of the Holy Spirit was simply God giving you what you didn't know you needed? What if, what if he's just giving you what you, you just didn't even know you needed? I thought I just got saved and thank you, God, and now I'll try really hard. But what if he's giving you a gift that you didn't even know to ask for and you didn't even know you needed? And to be honest, as a pastor, as a Christian leader, it angers me to watch how the gift of Pentecost has been misused. See, see, Pentecost was never intended for the sake of entertaining Christians. Do you know that? I, I mean, we, if we can look at the Word of God, I mean, I, I don't see it anywhere in here. Pentecost was never intended to create um, a caste system within Christianity. Oh, you, you have it, but you don't, but you do, but you don't speak it. Oh, okay, so you... Okay, so you're kind of, right, you're under me still, so there we are. It was never created for that. The Holy Spirit was given for the sake of the mission that God has set before you. Because you need power to do it, to make a difference in the people's lives around you. That's what Pentecost was for. That we are called to live this life on mission. We are called to bring hope to the hopeless. We are called to feed the hungry. We are called to, to bring good news to people who have nothing to live for. That is the call of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Pentecost. So that we can ultimately experience tabernacles. But you need power for today. You need power for today. As we look to the second coming of Christ, as he comes for his bride, as he comes for his church, what, what about today? Have you received what he has for you today? Would you stand with me? I, uh, this is probably not a Pentecost sermon that, that uh, maybe you were expecting. 
what we find is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not for us to hold on to. It's supposed to flow through us to others. It's not meant to entertain us. And it's not meant for us to contain. It's meant for a river of living water to flow through us to others. It was never meant, it was never meant for us to just contain it for ourselves. I heard someone say this once, that being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. I, I wish that the, the church of Jesus Christ would get a hold of that. The, the filling of the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. As God empowers us for the mission that he's called us to, that he set before us. Amen? So we all start out at Passover. And this is what I, I want to give you an opportunity today before you leave. If, if maybe you're in a place today where you're like, you know what? I, I've never applied the sacrifice of Jesus over my own life. You know, coming to church, been doing the church thing. I really like it here. The music's good. And, but, but you've never applied the sacrifice of Passover, of Christ's cross and his sacrifice for you over your own life. This is how I came to Jesus. In eighth grade, I had this lady that was a youth leader, and she was all about Jesus. She was a weirdo. She was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I pray to Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, you're crazy. And so I literally was like, okay, fine. I came to this point. If you're not crazy, which is still up for debate, if you're not crazy, and I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And she just prayed with me a simple prayer and, and in essence was applying the cross of Christ to my own life, saying, God, I've been trying to do this thing on my own and I've been doing a pretty horrible job of it. So Lord, I, I, just, I just ask that you would, you'd be my Lord, that you'd be my Savior. Help me, guide me, save me, rescue me, cover me, forgive me. And from that point on, changed my life. And so before you leave today, is there, is there anybody in here, maybe just between you and the Lord, just you raise your hand, just say, you know what? I've never made that, I've never made that decision before. I want to make that today. Today I want to make the decision to say, Jesus, I want to apply the finished work of Passover over my life today. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Just between you and God. Now, for some of you in here that are saying, you know what, I want the more of God. I just don't know what that looks like. This, some of this stuff scares me and, I, and I've seen some stuff. Here's what I would say. What if, what, if your, what if your prayer was simply this? I want to say yes to whatever it is that you have for me, Jesus. So maybe today, if you're just like, you know what? I want a fresh and filling of, of this Holy Spirit. I need the power to live a righteous life so that it's not just written of this list of do's and don'ts and I feel like a screw up. God, I pray that you would begin to write your law on my heart. God, that, you would, that, that I would grieve. Lord Jesus, I, I pray that you would enable me to live the life that you've called me to. And I desperately need that and want that in my own life. If you just need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, I just want you to identify, just, just say, you know what? I, I need that. 
I need that in my life today. Just raise your hand up high. Just raise your hand up. All right. If you just pray with me, Lord God, as we, as, we, as we worship today, Lord, I pray that you would have your way in this place. Those of you right now that are raising your hands and identifying themselves and saying, I need a fresh and filling of your spirit. If you're around them, I just want you to intercede for, for that, for those people that raise their hands around you. Just intercede. You don't have to go and lay your hand on them. I just want you to be praying for them. God, I pray that today would be a day of infilling, a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray that you would blow through this place. God, I pray that we would hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Lord, I pray that you would birth something on the inside of us, not in our own, uh, on our own willpower, in, in, in the strength of our own, but God, I pray that you would birth that out of the spirit. So Jesus, Give us, give us new desires today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, you would transform us by the renewing of our minds. God, bring about the miracle of Pentecost for each and every single one of us today. We receive it. We're open to it. As we sing this last song, I just want you to be open. If you want to come up here and pray, you want to come up wherever you'd like to do, I just want to encourage you to just lift that up before the Lord. Say, Jesus, I want the more of you, whatever that looks like. Let's as we sing.